You are now tuned in to the AddictedToSuccess.com podcast, where geniuses, entrepreneurs, and next-level game-changers share their juicy little secrets on achieving massive success. This is the advice you wish you heard years ago. Be prepared and take note as we expose the realness and the raw of what it takes to be successful on AddictedToSuccess.com. Now, before we get into this episode, I just wanted to share with you a gift from our sponsors, Organifi. And if you head over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and type in the code SUCCESS, Whenever you purchase an order, you get a 20% discount on any of their products. You know, I've been using the green juice from Organifi for a couple weeks now, and I can absolutely say this one here is a game changer. This is a superfood powder that saves me the time from having to mix five or six uh, different containers of superfood. It's just all there in the packet for me, and I take it every single day, and I feel absolutely amazing. I have that mental clarity I feel a hell of a lot healthier and I get this burst of energy that can only come from a natural substance. And so I speak highly of Organifi and its benefits and I know that there are a number of people out there right now that would love to operate at optimal levels. So if you're looking for something that is not only nutritious but also delicious, then jump on to Organifi. Head over to Organifi.com. Use the discount code. They've got a number of awesome products right there. I also take the probiotics and the turmeric as well. And I just feel so on point with this awesome line of products. So make sure you head over there. Thank you for checking out this sponsor ad. Let's get into this interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. I'm your host, Joel Brown. And I'm here today with Adam Force, who is the founder of of Change Creator Magazine. It's an amazing magazine that teaches you how to have massive impact in this world and how to really bring your gifts forth so that you can change lives, change your mindset so that you can serve at the highest level possible and how you can make a real difference, right? Because a lot of people talk about making a difference. We're talking real difference here, like environmental change and a political change and uh, change within the entrepreneurial realm. So I'm so happy to have you here. Adam Force, welcome to the Addicted to Success podcast. Joel, super excited to be here. Thanks for the awesome intro. And I, lo- I love that you mentioned the uh, the mindset shift. That's perfect. <laughs> I yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. I know that you interviewed me a little while back. Uh, I was on the front cover, <laughs> I believe, of uh, issue three. And yep. we went in on the mindset side of things. And it was it was great because... I felt like, you know, I do a lot of interviews and I felt like you really understood my point of view when it comes to like, we, there's no way that we can actually make a difference in this world unless we are first self-aware and second, we, we know how to take the action, right? It couldn't be more truth, man. I mean, it's, it, and that's kind of what our magazine is about too, is, you know, there's so much interesting data out there to show and and represent the shift in attitude and behavior, especially among younger generation, but it does go across the board to boomers and others. And they're really starting to lean into this idea of, you know what, what am I going to be doing in 10 years? I need to do something more meaningful with my life. Um, you know, I really want to align my work to my values and all these things are really shifting and they're they're aiming towards more responsible companies if they're working for someone else. And so you can see how that's happening. And, and the only way to really 
have that impact is you have to approach business with a totally different mindset than the traditional, um, you know, commercial entrepreneurship approach. So it becomes a, a different way of thinking about entrepreneurship and business and what your intentions are. So I think that's that's why I was uh, when I that's why I called out the mindset uh, comment that you had. Yeah, beautiful. So. Adam, you have on the latest issue on the front cover, uh, Ariana Huffington. So tell yeah. me, what was like, what was a big takeaway from her that you took from from having this opportunity to speak with Ariana? Yeah, well, that's a good question. My, my one of my big things of why I wanted to talk uh, to her, and then I'll tell you, you know, what I thought was really interesting, um, is is because she has been kind of impacting lives in her own way for a very long time and she got on in her own way she got on her journey to basically change her mindset and how she thinks about things how she looks at what success is um and then she's starting you know she just launched thrive global and now she is helping people kind of get in line with how do you live a more holistic and healthy lifestyle so success is covering the full spectrum you know it's family, well-being, business, all those things put together. Um, And so what was really interesting for me was just hearing her perspective on social entrepreneurship, which she says that it is one of the most important components today that will help redefine, um, you know, business uh, moving forward. And I think that's exactly what's happening. It is redefining business um, and how we actually practice business and how we think about it. So, you know, Change Creator Magazine is trying to normalize social entrepreneurship so that, you know, we don't need the label social entrepreneurship. Business will just be about this kind of, you know, intentful approach to environmental and social causes. So I thought it was interesting to hear her her say that and emphasize it. Um, I don't remember the whole entire quote she gave me <laughs> off the top of my head, but that was the, <laughs> the idea behind it. Love it, mate. Love it. So how long ago did you start uh, Change Creator Magazine? And... Um, Tell me yeah. this, tell me this, how long ago did you start it? And what was the biggest, I guess, breakthrough in putting this magazine together? Biggest lesson. Um, yeah, biggest lesson. So we started it in August um, 2015, but that was just the idea, right? So, and then the first issue went live in uh, the very end of February, early March of 2016. So we're really just hitting our one year anniversary of actually launching it. Mm. Um, The biggest lesson I learned (laughs) is because I'm in the app world. So my marketing game, um, I've learned that there's two different paths I have to focus on for marketing. Um, You know, we all need growth. We all need people to know about us. You can have the greatest product in the world, but if no one knows, it doesn't matter. Um, And it is you have sustained growth and traffic, which is coming from, for example, SEO, if you have a website, if you can lock in and master SEO, you can get a consistent and sustained traffic flow. And if you have an app, you want to focus on, you know, your app store optimization, which is just like SEO, but for the app store, because that's going to give you a sustained, uh, consistent traffic flow for app downloads and conversions to then subscribers. Whereas if you're doing guest bo- guest blogs and getting mentions and media outlets, those are not sustained traffic flow. That is just um, spikes, right? But they give you they can they can create lots of word of mouth and make things newsworthy and all those types of things. But you know, I we just had an article put on Influensive and we just had an article put on Ariana's new site Thrive Global, and those will give you spikes. 
But then that's it. You know, the spike goes away and, and it goes down. But when you focus on the other track, which is ASO and SEO, those are things you can develop over time to have good, sustained and consistent keyword being consistent traffic. So I, I think to me, it's really honing in on how to think about those things and how to use those marketing paths. I love that, man. I love that you shared that. It's really important. Like that's what we do with Addicted to Success is I think we get around about 40, it fluctuates like 40 to 45% of our traffic is organic SEO, right? You want free traffic. You want that yeah. traffic that you don't need to pay for. And usually it takes a lot of uh, intentional thinking, uh, strategy. Yes. It, it, it means that you have to uh, intentionally go out and collaborate with the right people, right? Linking arms with those that have high authority online and have a big social media following and have reach to give you exposure. And obviously your win would be that uh, or your your offer value exchange would be that you are able to offer them a piece in your magazine or like a feature or a front cover, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. that's cool, man. Well, tell me this because I think that this is something really interesting. As more and more people jump online, they are wanting to know how to connect with highly influential people. And so you you know you have Ariana Huffington on the front cover. You got Tony Robbins coming up. Uh, you know, you have a Neil Patel and a, a lot of amazing people. So tell me, how do you go about connecting with these highly influential leaders? Um, you know, I think it's been said before and it's it's just putting a little bit of thought and time. Um, so I guess I have a couple layers of uh, attack. <laughs> and it's like I would first and foremost, I take the ease, the path of least resistance. I go to their website and do they have a press section? Very simple. I mean, do they are they open to press? You know, you can go to like the guys on Shark Tank, Barbara Corcoran. They all have press pages. They want press, right? The, the, the part you'll have to sell them on is if you're worth their time, right? So then you're going to have to very much articulate an email or some way to get their attention. And then once you do, you're going to have to go through several other people <laughs> to actually yeah. validate yourself. Gate, the <laughs> you know, gatekeepers, our, <laughs> right? Yeah. All the gatekeepers, man. Like, I'll just give you an example. And so I still, well, I'll answer your question more thoroughly first. But I, so I start there and I always do research and I know your buddy Nathan Chan talks about this too and he's exactly right is you know what's in it for other people why would they want to work with you and so for anyone out there that has a startup or whatever it is um, you know they're thinking well I don't have a big audience so what am I going to do offer Ariana Huffington money you know like no so that's not the case the reason I reached out to Ariana is I, you know I did my research I understood her values as a person and what she's gone through. Same thing with Tony Robbins, his values and what he believes in life. And then when you write your email, you wanna play into those things and you wanna be reaching out to the, so part of it is selecting the right people to reach out to because you want people that are going to align to your cause. You know, they're gonna believe in what you're doing and when they actually hear about what you're doing, they're gonna want to support it. Um, now the other stuff comes into play, but it'll get you through the first door, right? It'll get their attention if you can align to the cause. So, you know, for Ariana Huffington, um, I actually had her personal email address. So sometimes I'll even guess, right, at what their personal email address might be, because otherwise it gets lost in like a rabbit hole. Um, <clears throat> and I had it from a writing course that I took. They gave away some journalists and media contacts. So. 
one day I couldn't sleep. I was like, man, I've got to get some, like, I need a big name. I need to get attention for the magazine so people will take it more seriously. And so I woke up at like 2.30 in the morning. I just couldn't sleep. And I just sat there for probably like two hours crafting this personalized email to Ariana Huffington. And I finally pressed the send button. And the next day she got right back to me and she hooked me up with her communication director. Um, but then that's where the fun started. So the communication, <laughs> she would not respond to me for over a month. You know, time goes by. It's like, Jesus. So, you know, two months go by. Um, and so time goes on and on. Long story short, it took from like March or April of 2016 to like September. And it, it didn't help that she left Huffington Post. I had to like then resell new teams at Thrive Global and like all kinds of stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of persistence. Um, it was different for Tony. Tony's team got back to me like two months after my initial note. I forgot I even reached out and they're like, we might be interested in doing something with you. I was like, hey, I'll take it. So. <laughs> door was open i literally um you know they asked me a few questions i got back to them and then they pushed me onto someone else and it was like the next person and then the next person had more granular questions about audience readership and all this stuff and i was like all right we're still young so i tried not to get too you know, heavy in that area i actually spent so much time writing my response um to that email joel that I had my, I had the time, I had a content crafter for the blog. She reviewed it. I had family members review it, other like team members and stuff. So I had at least three people review it and give me feedback. And then I sent that email. And the next thing you know, and that had like the interview questions in it. Next thing you know, a month goes by. I get all my uh, questions answered from Tony's uh, directly. And I got all the press uh, images and video and everything else I asked for. They were pretty, pretty uh quick to respond wow that is amazing yeah. thanks thanks for taking us on that journey of what it takes yeah you know i reached out to tony about 10 times i think it was like nine times or something like that uh I, and i reached out i i hit everyone from every angle and i had a uh, a little reminder going off on my magazine yeah uh, sorry on my uh, on my calendar and it was going off like every month man and uh yeah i eventually eventually got tony's attention and he's like let's do it and then Something happened where I go, oh yeah, I got an email the night I was supposed to do it and saying Tony had to push back for personal reasons. I thought, oh God, all right. Thinking <laughs> that's it. He's just not gonna make it happen. And the next morning, like six hours later, it's like Tony wants to do this. Let's let's go. So uh yeah, it's it's Amazing. cool, man. I love hearing that. I love that you like didn't give up and that you were persistent and that you uh, you know, took your time to really craft it and put it together. And what really stood out to me and what you just said was that you really identified what Ariana and Tony's uh values are because it's so important yes. like that's what drives you to make your decisions every day it's your compass in life exactly so, yeah it, that's amazing that you do that thank that if we look if you're listening right now and this is the one thing that you take away it's the winning thing it's the it's golden, golden nugget. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to get excited like, oh, we got to get Tim Ferriss and we got to get the, you know, uh, Gary Bannerchuk and, you know, because they're popular and I get that and like whatever it might be, that's cool. But are they the right people for your brand? Meaning that they're going to really, they're the ones that really believe in what you're doing. And, and you know, they might be the right people to reach out to later once you already have like the Arianas and whoever else. And I'm, I'm going in a very specific order of who I reach out to and why, because now, now that I reached out to these guys I can get the next person on my list and then once I get that person I'll reach out to the next person because I'm, I'm like stacking the success you know like piece by piece yeah yeah 
that's that's truly amazing so adam you are now in a place where you're running your magazine full-time uh you left your your job so your magazine was your side hustle for a while right which is what i did with addicted to success which a lot of these listeners that are on right now if you're listening right now i'm sure you can relate you're either in it or you've left it and you've moved on to to starting your Mm. business so you're in the middle of your business now so adam what what was that transition like and can you tell me, like, what are the what's some advice that you can share with the audience uh, when it comes to leaving your day job and like side hustling and making your dream work? Yeah, um, the side hustle I've done t- twice because I had my first job with the, my job first business that I, I co-founded, which was Alter Image Recordings. It was a record label. Was really into the music scene. I know you got some music background too, Joel, so you can uh, relate. Yeah. Um, you know and that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun we did that for several years we were flying in international artists we had over like I don't know 38 or 40 uh, EPs released and um, you know some of the biggest names out there Jimmy Van M and uh, Nick Warren if you guys are into the house music scene uh, you'll know those guys Mm. Um, and so you know that was uh, interesting and that's where I actually learned because we definitely this is part side hustle and bootstrap because we didn't have the money for a business at that young age and that was like right out of college and we learned a lot about I had to force myself how do I do graphic design for album covers website development how do we get all this done and it forced me to learn um how to use a tool called gimp so anybody out there bootstrapping um gimp is like a photoshop uh, application but it's for mac it's for windows you can download it it's free it's open source um and it's pretty awesome i used it for several years and that's where i learned how to do graphic design so you could check that out for free and do all your memes and whatever else you got to do um, and <clears throat> taught me how to do some mild coding with websites and all that stuff, which now apply to Change Creator because my first year there, you know, I'm, I was flying solo, doing a side hustle again. Um, and it means lots of early morning. I'm a morning person, so I'd rather get up at four in the morning than work late. So I was waking up early in the mornings around four o'clock and I would work until I had to leave for, um, you know, my job. And it was, uh, you know, that's really tough stuff, man. I got to tell you, but it takes time. And as far as when you know, like I, I, the, the biggest thing I could tell people about it is um, manage your money. Like you have to, if you can't manage money, you're going to, you can't, you're not going to be able to start a business successfully because you're going to lose your money quickly. Um, it's easy once you learn to commit to invest in yourself because you believe in what you're doing, you know, you're going to have to drop $500 here, $1,000 there. And if you're not managing it and staying organized with it, it can get really, um, it can get real sticky fast. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if you want to survive as an entrepreneur, know where every dollar is going and think strategically about what you're doing. So for me, I bring that up because you have to understand all your operation costs very meticulously. And then you have to start learning what you have as growth channels, like what's actually working for your growth so that you can um, put more money towards those things. And you'll know, obviously, when your operation costs are less than your returns each month, you could start thinking about uh, making that transition because you want to have consistent growth, meaning like, remember, we talked about sustained and consistent marketing channels. Um, That's the stuff that'll build your confidence. If you get a spike in like one month, you hit sales that are like, oh, wow, Um, you know, I made 10 grand this month. 
Well, that might just be that month if it was because of like a, a whim, you know, from something that you published or you did a press release or something. That doesn't mean it's going to be like that every month. So I would look for consistent return that you're comfortable with and, and that upward pro, uh, pro, uh, projection. So definitely do like at least a, a two to three year forecast know where your money's going. And then when you start hitting those goals towards your forecast and you're seeing that trajectory go up, up, up each month consistently, then I think you could start thinking about uh, making that transition. Yeah, yeah, dude, I love that. I love that you talk about momentum. It's so true, but it has to be that consistent momentum, right? It can't exactly. just be like the one day win. It has to just be that riding the wave to then jump on the next one, right? I, I was speaking with uh, Grant Cardone and he made this really yeah. good point and he says he was having an argument with I think some guys that were running his Facebook page and they came back and said oh we put all this money in and it didn't work and he's like I don't care put some more money in and they're like what and he's like <laughs> he's like man money's my slave he's like you get it to work for you you know he's like you don't he's like you don't make money to hold on to money he's like you got to make it work for you and I love right. that you said that because, you know, I've invested a lot of money in Addicted to Success. And really, you know, mm-hmm. it's, a lot of people ask me, oh, Joel, how do I, you know, build a, a million dollar online brand? How to do this and that? And I just say, look, honestly, a lot of it is really feeding back into itself, right? Yes. In the beginning, especially in the beginning, man. Like like now I'm in the place where it's I've got the momentum. I've got like, you know, six streams of uh, residual income. A lot of it's like autopilot. I'm building systems. I'm bringing staff in to manage certain things. So it grows but it's exciting, man, to be a part of that process of like putting some money in and going, let's see what happens here. It's like putting money into the, the machine and seeing what you get back. Yeah. So you've got to yeah. be willing to be a little bit crazy to play that game for a little while. <laughs> I love that. I love that you said you got to be a little crazy because that's, you know, I did this little like very awkward monologue <laughs> video to talk about the first year of our business. And I said, it was like, you have to be a little crazy. If you want to start a business, you've got to be a little crazy. And it means kind of like being obsessed, right? You got to be willing to take big risks and be obsessed and believe in what you're doing. And I think that's exactly kind of what you're just getting at. It's kind of like, if you're going to put money in, see what happens, people are very hesitant to drop anything over like 500 bucks. You know, they're like, <laughs> is it, what if this doesn't work out? It's just money out the window. Well, yeah. you know, you're going to have to be willing to take those chances if you really believe in your idea. So, you know, you got to be a little bit crazy for sure. (laughs) And if you want to start a magazine business like I'm doing, you've got to be very, very crazy. I'll tell you that right now. And plan plan to have at least, you know, your operation costs covered for the first 12 issues because it could take, it takes time and to build up that momentum and establish yourself in the magazine game for sure. Mm. That's a great insight. Great insight. Be prepared, right? Be prepared for war. That's really what it is. It's all out war. Yeah. You're on the battlefield of life and business, man. That's how it is. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love it. Hey, look at Milton Hershey. He went bankrupt, what, several times. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody would give him money. Banks, friends, family. And he still was like, I know I can make this work. And he just kept going at it. And finally... He made that Hershey's chocolate we all know, and he's a big success. But literally, after you go bankrupt the second or third time, you would think that maybe you'd, you'd quit on the idea. But you know what? If you believe in it and you're persistent, it, you just you never know. No, dude. You know what happens with some of these people? Their pain threshold uh, raises, right? So then they can withstand more. Yeah. It's like almost like a. It's almost like this. Like uh, it's a hazing thing. It's like to be a real entrepreneur, like the an ultra entrepreneur, or a, a super successful entrepreneur. It's almost like you have to go bankrupt at some point, or you have to have some massive loss because then, like it, it sets you up to go. Well, you know what? I already went through some crazy stuff. 
this next move I'm about to pull can't be any crazier than what I already went through. So uh, yeah. perspective, yeah. man, perspective, mindset shift. When you've got a vision, when you know your values, when you're, you're out there to make a change. Let's talk a little bit about uh, intrinsic motivation, right? Not the external, <clears throat> because I know that yeah. your magazine is heavily based off contribution and actually having impact in this world, like making a difference with your business, yeah. not ma- making a <clears throat> business that's all about these like hedonistic things, like, you know, luxury cars and bling bling watches and all that. Like yours is really about <laughs> creating a business that actually moves the needle. So yeah, like, w- tell yeah. us a little bit about this, man. Like what inspires you to do that? And on top of that, like, what are some things you've learned about contribution along the way? That's an interesting question, yeah. Um, so what inspired me was I have a fascination and I've been an enthusiast of social entrepreneurship for a long time. Um, it was actually, you know, everyone has these travel experiences that I've noticed that I talk to. It's always their aha moment comes from a travel experience. Um, my aha moment for the business didn't come from a travel experience, but my aha moment that made me realize I love social entrepreneurship did. Um, and that was when my, my wife and I escaped the busy city life. You know, we were in 10 years, New York City, uh, Philadelphia and all that stuff. We we're like, we've got to just get out of here and disconnect, man. Like I was just getting burnt out as Ariana Huffington would say, you know. And um, so I was out there thinking to myself, I was, we were actually in Costa Rica, very remote area, rainforest, beaches, you name it, sitting out there, um, you know, I was just thinking like, what am I going to be doing in 10 years? Like I, I cannot be doing some nine to five, like corporate gig when I'm, you know, 60 years old, like, you know, and am I on any kind of trajectory right now to change that, that path, like of becoming, of making that happen? And I wasn't, I was just going through the cookie cutter, you know, what you're told to do kind of uh, life. And I had a great job, no doubt about it. I was working at WebMD, it's a great company. And I was director of uh, strategic marketing and all this kind of stuff. And, but it's not, it wasn't my, you know, it wasn't really who I was, it didn't reflect me per se. And it's not what I wanted to be doing that nine to five till then. So long story short, I love the idea of social entrepreneurship because it protects the environment. I've always been like an, a compassionate activist at heart. And so the approach, and for people that don't know what social entrepreneurship is, it's just using entrepreneurial skills um, with the sole purpose of solving um, social and or environmental challenges, right? And if you go by Skoll Foundation's definition, you're actually shifting the equilibrium of a system, which means you're getting to the root cause, the system cause that's producing certain negative results so that you get new results, right? You can really impact the way people are uh, living their lives. Mm. Um, So for me, I was like, man, business is such a powerful force, right? Like, and it just depends on how we use it. It can be used in a way that it becomes a powerfully destructive force. It can be used in a way where it becomes a powerfully uh, positive force. And so when I looked at social entrepreneurs, anything from simple change to big change, I don't care if you're changing a system or not, but if you're using a business that like Jake Orrack, he supports cultures in all these different countries like Vietnam and Guatemala. Um, you know, you have uh, Kenton Lee who helps kids in Nairobi, Kenya with shoes that they can buy and the shoe grows with their feet so that they don't outgrow them very quickly. Um, all these little things that wow. just really change people's lives. I was like, this is what business about let's use it as a positive force for good and not just a selfish force for you know you know money and these these in my mind important yet they're just small parts of the overarching success puzzle right 
So I just like that idea of how we think about the business approach and then how we actually take action because how you think about it is going to influence the actions you take and then those actions will create certain results. So if you're not approaching the business with that thought pattern and those intentions, you're not going to you're not going to create that social impact or you're not going to create environmental impact. You're going to do something just whatever, economic entrepreneurship uh, structure. Yeah. Does that answer your question? It sure does. It absolutely does. It must be really exciting interviewing a lot of these people for Change Creator Mag uh, and hearing the ways that they realized uh, what it was that they were here to do, right? What it is they're here to do. It's like finding your purpose, right? And I think a lot of people struggle with this idea of finding their yeah, purpose. They're waiting, they're like, I can't find it. Or it's like, when is my calling going to come? And they get down when they see other people living in their purpose yep. and so like I know what it's like to live in my purpose I'm living in it man it's like just you're, every day you're lit like you can't explain it it's just energy 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 totally. you know you've tapped in and you're aligned so like what is what is your uh, I guess I guess what have you taken from interviewing all these people uh, and, and what do you feel like really is the key uh, factor when it comes to finding your purpose or tapping into your purpose what seems to be the common pattern there just to help the Um, listeners out a little bit to kind of find as or go on the right path i would say two things about finding your purpose um actually three things the first thing is that it's not always easy and that's okay um but once you decide to go down the road of i want to do something meaningful in this world and and live a life that i feel good about um then you're you're good man you're on the mission which means you're going to start taking action every day to figure that out whether you know it or not right and so I always like to say it's important to take self-inventory and that means getting down on paper what are my values Uh, what skills do I have Um, what do people come to me and ask me advice for that may give me a hint about what people see me as like uh, um, someone I something that I can specialize in Um, what around the world frustrates me like are there certain social or environmental issues that really just tick you off you know like maybe that's something that you want to tap into Um, and as you start taking a self-assessment you'll start narrowing down you can almost imagine like a Venn diagram where you take all these components and then in the middle it's like well where does that leave me am I I like a surfer who's fighting plastic pollution and you know doing whatever I don't know um, and I've seen those types of things happen um, and so I think that's the first part of uh, just kind of figuring out what your purpose is and from what I learned from interviewing people <clears throat> travel is a big thing um, you know for example Billy Parrish she's the author of the book Making Good and uh, founder of Solar Mosaic and the Energy Action Coalition Um, He dropped out of Yale and started this fight for clean energy. Um, And he's had an amazing story. He was hiking um, on a trip in the Himalayas and he saw glaciers melting firsthand. And when he hit, when he saw that, it just hit him like a ton of bricks. That's when he dropped out of Yale and started this whole mission in his life. Right. So travel experience. Um, I mentioned Kenton Lee. He was in Nairobi, Kenya, and he saw all these kids with either their toes hanging out of their shoes or no shoes at all. And you can imagine walking around all day with no shoes and these other situations cause, it actually causes a lot of health problems um, and is very difficult on their feet and stuff. So, um, you know, that sparked his aha moment. Jake Orak was in uh, Vietnam traveling. He, he actually moved from the States. He went to school, moved from the States to go to Vietnam to, to take a job instead of a corporate job that pays well in the States. He took some 
engineering design job in Vietnam for 500 bucks a month just to go check it out. And he was on a vacation out there just riding his motorcycle. And he came across these little villages of artisans who were getting squeezed out by industry. And so now he created the business, Ethnotech Bags, where he uses their um, handmade design materials. And he creates bags, iPad covers, everything out of them. And he sells them and he supports their livelihoods in those cultures. So travel, I think, is probably one of the most powerful ways to um, encourage and, and inspire yourself to to take action because you got to put yourself into into the cultures and really because it just hits you more than seeing it online i mean i think it's nice it's a good start to see what's going on in the world digitally but when you're there firsthand you talk to people you see you feel you smell it's like you're immersed um i think it jolts you a lot harder yeah 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 your senses are downloading all that info and going what can i do with this what am exactly. I? What am I going to do with this? It's like, oh, am I just going to enjoy it for what it is? Am I? Am I looking for like? Am I seeing a problem and finding a solution? Because I think that some of the greatest uh, inventions and ideas and innovations come from when somebody feels so much pain in something and they see it as a problem that they want to solve that problem. Right. And that's what it is, right? It becomes personally like offensive to you, <laughs> and you're you're not out there because now your mission is. I need to help those people I met. I need to fix the environmental damage I saw, right? And it's not just, I. what can I do to make money? That's not the, it, so now it's, what can I do to make money so that I can scale impact on with those people, right? And that's like, we, we released the December issue with Dr. Alistair Harris, which is just an amazing, amazing story where he's a biologist who reluctantly became a social entrepreneur because he was in Madagascar. And there's these semi-nomadic people out there that live, they're called the Vezo. And their whole identity, their, their income, their food, their culture is based around fishing, right? In these areas. Wow. Uh, but the areas are getting overfished because as population goes up and fish demand goes up, European trawlers are coming in and basically just cleaning out those areas. Um, so he saw this huge issue and started tackling it. And he realized, I have to become an entrepreneur, a social entrepreneur, because I need a business model that would create income to support what I'm doing in conservation. And he did a test beta with one community who they all thought he was nuts doing what he, what he was proposing, but it worked and it replenished the fish supply in the area. It gave him new area uh, revenue streams and income. It created um, conservation expedition opportunities for people like you and me to go and take part, see the world and, and support them. Um, and long story short, once that happened, it scaled up. But he said he could never keep the lights on or, or scale his impact up that coastline from community to community if he didn't create a business model that, you know, had the dollars behind it. So it's about being mission focused, I guess, is my long winded answer there, which is um, important. But when people hear about doing social good work, they're like, yeah, but I need to make money. It's not about not making money. It's about being smart and using money as one success factor that supports the actual mission. The mission is not the money. The mission is your your social good um, driver thing that you're probably frustrated about. Yeah. Wow. 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 Dude, I love it. I love the stories. I I know you said before that you know we can, we create a lot of shifts when we travel. Uh, someone that you and I know personally is uh, Adam Braun. You know, when you went yeah, to yeah. third world country and saw a little kid that was like, if I could have anything in the world, I would want a pencil. And he's like, what? No way. So he's like, kids need education. They need pencils. They need to be able to go, you know, happily go to school and learn. So he made a huge change in that and built over 300 something schools. 
amazing. amazing. Dropped out of dropped out of you know an amazing uh, job. I think at Bain in out in New York, right? For that, and it's just yeah. If you want to shift, I think traveling really is the way. I think you, you hit the nail on the head. It's changing your environments, and I love that you said find that thing that gets you that's personally offensive. Like yeah. <laughs> just go out there until you find something that's personally offensive, then see how you can find a solution for that problem. And I think that's well, right. probably going to be that calling. <laughs> It's true. It's true. And, and don't feel like just because it's a large problem, you can break it down into a community, a neighborhood. It doesn't have to be like, let me solve the world's pollution problem or hunger problem, but maybe you yeah. solve it for one small area. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's always, it, it doesn't have to be like, people get overwhelmed by these larger issues, but there's everything from local infrastructure issues to large global issues, right? So it, there, it don't feel like it's just like you have to solve poverty to be a social entrepreneur there's many many things you could do on small scale to large scale it's just the idea of how you're approaching business and what your intentions are really for sure yeah i mean everything's touching everything yeah and if you are passionate and frustrated say you talk about being personally offensive you know for me it was like plastic pollution drives me crazy joel like i can't i go i was walking around these beaches in costa rica i mean nobody's out there on these beaches but there's little particles of plastic because they wash up from the ocean and it's just such a oh man and and like deforestation all these things so i i spent years doing uh plastic pollution efforts i started some brand doing that i did rainforest advocacy and and they ended up not being my path right but there were things i was frustrated and passionate about and what i would tell people who are pursuing their purpose is it's okay to start trying things go volunteer for someone start a facebook page or a group start talking to other people about it and if you find out it's not the right fit then you you cross that one off your list and you go to the next thing that you're really interested in and see if that feels better so if you're uncertain just start doing something and start crossing these things off your list and that's what i did specifically yeah 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 no you went about it the right way that's amazing man that's amazing beautiful stuff dude what how do you feel success has changed over the years because i feel like we're shifting as a yeah. uh, you know within the human race uh, as as earthlings i guess you could call us we're, we're shifting in a way where it's not what it used to be and it's not right. a bad thing either it can be a positive thing but like what do you, how do you feel success has, has evolved Yeah, I think it's evolving more, especially as we speak. I mean, with everything going on in the world and with all the transparency, um, you know, things are definitely shifting. Uh, And, you know, I know like uh, historically people always were into doing good and stuff like that, but it's growing and it's becoming more commonplace and normalized. So I think success is moving away from the, you know, money and power concept, meaning, you know, if I have the big house, I made it. Um, that's very old school, you know, line of thought. And it was a flawed cultural um, influence to, to make you believe that, right? It's definitely flawed. And it leaves this big gap in your life. And I've t- spoken to, you know, marketing guru Yannick Silver and um, other people like Ariana. And, and, you know, what they're saying is I had all the money, I had all the stuff. And, at the end of the day, there's still something missing. And you, you can talk to guys like Tony Robbins and they're going to tell you this all day long, right? It's not, you can't buy fulfillment. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't it's work. Art. It's, it's, it's <laughs> mastering the art of fulfillment. I think that's really what it is that he talks it's about. That's what it is. There. Yeah. It's yes. like, how can I have the life where I feel like I can have it all? It's like having it all, right? But not not having too much of one thing that you, uh, you're not f- feeling fulfilled in a certain yes. area. It's just having that even balance of everything. 
And that doesn't mean I, that you can't crush it because I think people get that misconstrued. It's like you can crush it. You can crush it in every area of your life and lift the bar, lift the standard even more if you want. I think people think they have to make this massive sacrifice that they can only be in good at one thing or in one place. Uh, and it's just yeah. so not true. I agree. I agree. I think you have to look at what what the full human uh, spectrum of emotion and life, right? And if you look at that, work is just one component of life. And just like, you know, the entrepreneur or whoever, the wine drinker, you may love wine, but you still have a lot of other components in your life that you have to worry about, right? And if you're an entrepreneur and you're doing business or you're working for someone else, work is just one component and you have to worry about everything else. Otherwise, you're going to be just kind of like, like you said, you're focused on one thing so much that you neglect the others, which create a gap, a void, I guess, in your life. And that's what like Ariana and Tony were right on the same page with this. And Ariana uses the three-legged stool concept, you know, um, and if the, the, the third leg is missing, you're going to fall over and that's well-being. So I always hear people want to put, I got to put in more hours and while you're sleeping, I'm working and all that stuff. I'm like, hey, you go do that. <laughs> you, you go do that. And um, I'm going to go ahead and sleep because I know that I'm going to be more focused the next day. Have I'll be well-rested and do all that stuff. And so it's not, to me the quantity of hours that you put in but it's the quality of the hours and the direction that you go when you spend your time with those hours like what are you actually doing with those hours so um, you know the quality and direction are really important in order to be successful and so you may do a certain number of hours that are towards your work yes but then the other part of those hours has to be towards your well-being, going to the gym, meditating, um, you know, eating well, spending time with your family, um, you know, all these things. So that's part of putting hours in for success is doing putting hours in towards all of those things, not just one thing. Yeah. Hell yeah. 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 You hit the nail on the head, man. Adam, how can we get our hands on Change Creator Magazine? Uh, it's simple, man. You just go to either our website, changecreatormag.com, um, or you go to iTunes uh, Store or Google Play. Just start searching Change Creator. It'll come up. And, uh, you know, we are the first digital magazine app for uh, social entrepreneurs. And, you know, we're going to keep evolving and getting our content more specialized. So, um, you know, check it out. I think there's a lot of just powerful, inspirational uh, content there. Love it, mate. Love it. Adam, I've got two more questions for you. The, the first one is, what do you believe is your superpower? <laughs> <laughs> what stands you apart from the rest? Um, I think it's that I become obsessed. I, whether I was skateboarding or trying to be a DJ or a music producer or whatever it was, I'm obsessed and I cannot rest until I become the best at something. <laughs> and so I just think of, <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, exactly. And so for me, you know, just like when I woke up at 2:30 in the morning to email Ariana and I spend all that time like I just I don't know, man. I just I just am willing to put in the time. I'm willing to, uh, I'm open-minded to like what it takes and then I'll practice those things and test those things. So for me, it's just willpower. I think willpower is something that is important to an entrepreneur's life and that's something I've always had is I'm, I'm willing to do what it takes. Love that, man. Love the discipline there. That's amazing. Yep, that's what it takes. Adam, this is the last question here before we bounce out. 
Yeah, Thanks a million for jumping on this podcast. I, I appreciate you, dude. I, I love what you're all about with Change Creator Mag. If you're listening, guys, make sure you pick up his magazine. Go to the App Store. Check it out. Uh, the latest issue is Ariana Huffington. you got Tony Robbins coming up and a number of other game changes out there. So make sure you get your hands on it. Uh, there's the issue with me as well, which is issue three, if you want to check that out as well, uh, where I break yeah. down how I build a, a million-dollar brand that impacts millions of lives. Uh, but that's we're not here to talk about me. We're here to ask you this last question, Adam. So the last question I always ask at the end of every interview is if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Um, I think I would talk about how the world is you know, whatever we decide it to be, right, collectively. And I think that we have to look at ourselves first and foremost to change anything that's outside and around us. So it's just, to me, I think it's, what do you want the world to look like? What do you believe in? And I just can only hope that you're willing to take steps towards fulfilling that because that's what's gonna probably be the best thing you could do for the world to give back.